Hello, and welcome to Capstan Live. We're the podcast that makes sure you pay the real estate taxes you owe and not a dollar more. If you own commercial real estate or advise someone who does, you're in the right place for a real talk about maximizing tax savings. Hello, welcome to another episode of Capstan Live. I'm Helena Carmel, and I'm so excited to welcome a special guest back to the pod. You know him and you love him. He's Mr. Jacob Wood of our Capstan's R&D division and one of our regional directors. Jacob, thanks so much for making the time to come back. Thank you for having me, Helena. Always a pleasure. Aw, right back at ya. Um, We are going to talk another hot R&D industry today in, in another one of our Short Takes podcast series. And we talked software, we talked food and bev, which I found fascinating. And today we're going to talk about manufacturing and custom product design. And I know manufacturing is just is just huge for R&D, right? Like manufacturing is number one. Absolutely. And, and that's the industry that the that Congress had in mind when they came up with the, the R&D credit back in uh-huh. the 80s was specifically auto manufacturing, technology manufacturing, and so on. That, that makes sense. Um, okay, but before we get, get into manufacturing specifics, can you just give our audience just a, like a little brief intro into the R&D credit, just for those who are kind of catching up? Absolutely. Yeah, so the R&D credit um, it essentially exists to help people that uh, in companies that employ technical professionals, think architects, engineers, manufacturers, uh, software developers, and so on. Um, and it does that by giving you a credit. So that's dollars back for money you have spent um, on technical development. So again, if you're developing a custom product, custom software, anything that's kind of custom, um, you can take a credit and the government essentially pays you back for some of those wages and materials and other expenditures you made to do that development. And those expenditures are called qualified research expenses, right? QREs. That's correct. Yeah, the basic premise in the tax code is that if you have qualified research activities, which we would call QRAs, um, and then you have expenses related to those QREs, qualified research expenses, then you will have a credit. Um, Now, there's a lot of nuance to that, and everything is a little bit different, which is why we're talking today. But that's the basic uh, proposition in the tax code. And so if you are, a, again, a manufacturer, you do custom product development, um, you you engage in some kind of you know development or problem solving activities, it's a good credit to look at. So any kind of manufacturing could theoretically be eligible, Jacob? Yeah, absolutely. And we see, I would say manufacturing probably has the widest range of qualified okay. uh, companies because you've got everybody from super custom prototype only shops where all they do is inventors come to them and they come up with custom products that have never existed before. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got mass volume producers, think like Johnson and Johnson. They're making, Ah. mixing chemicals or making shampoo or some mass produced product and they're making millions and millions of them. Um, Both of those will have some development. It's going to look a little bit different depending on the company though. That is so interesting. Wow. So, and so, yeah, so it could be any any subset. Like I have a crazy list here. Aerospace, automotive, machinery, chemical. What's, oh, contract, environmental, medical device, metal fabricators, plastics, precision machining, like all of these things. It could be any of those. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. And, and so, 
Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I was going to say the what what you really find is where the company is encountering problems is going to dictate where their R&D is. Um, and I don't mean oh. problems like things you can't overcome, but things you have to put time into solving, right? I see. So again, if you think about that custom manufacturer, like let's take an aerospace manufacturer, they have to come up with a new a new missile wing or a new optic system um, or, you know, uh, some a new wiring harness, right? The design and development of that thing is going to be probably their biggest challenge. Um, and so they're going to have people like manufacturing engineers, design engineers, uh, aerospace engineers, putting together CAD models and things and, and putting together a design for a product. That's where they're going to spend most of their time. On that other side of the spectrum, the mass product producer, they might have a product that they design once and it doesn't change for two years. And then they do a, a biannual or they do some kind of a review process to change it. But that's not really where their expenses are. Most of their expenses are going to be on the manufacturing engineering side. How do we make a million of this thing? And how do we make it fast? How do we make it cheap? Efficient, how do we make cheap. it efficiently yeah. and strong? Um, and so you got to look at for a manufacturer, where are they spending their time solving problems? And it might be multiple areas, but there's going to normally be at least one for a manufacturer. The only the only companies we see that don't qualify, generally speaking, are going to be ones that, you know, they're kind of like a volume producer, but they really never change their product. They never change their process. They're really more operating equipment rather than coming up with a customized you know, development process. But even something like like not to say simple, but something that happens at the end, like if they change the packaging or whatever, right? That could be. It could. Yeah. And right. So, or something to ship it more efficiently or whatever, even if the product itself didn't change, but if the, you know, packaging or shipping distribution, something like that could also. Absolutely. Yeah. We had a, we had a toy manufacturer um, and they had development at the toy design side. So they had to create these functional toys that people wouldn't choke on and, you know, they could be. Oh, appropriately. Yes. Then they had to come up with all the manufacturing processes. So they did like plastic injection molds, roto molds. Um, they ran all this equipment. They did prototyping. So there was a process developed to actually manufacture. And then my favorite was when it got to the, the shipping, because I was like, at this point, you know, there's no more R&D. I mean, you know, we've already had three or four areas of qualified right. And I talked to the shipping manager and I asked him how long it took. And he was like, well, every product here is custom. So we have to come up with blister packaging, oh. all these sorts of things for the product. And then he's like, then even the way that we pack them, we've got to create negative models of the foam. And then we have to make sure that if the, you know, the product gets shipped, that the foam doesn't rub off the labels, rub off what? the packaging. And so they were literally taking these boxes and they were like throwing them off of second floor you know, balconies, they were putting them on vibrators, they were kicking them. I mean, they were just doing all these crazy wow. things to simulate going on a UPS, you know, truck or a FedEx truck or something. And it was pretty, you know, basically, I, I was like, oh, I don't want to talk to the janitor, but I'm sure he's got some, you know, and, and that gets to a good point, which is that a lot of companies, um, the the number one thing is I ask them is not what technical things they're doing, but it's how they solve problems. Because when you come to a company that has an innovative approach and they're always trying to rethink things, that's oftentimes more predictive than the specific things that they're doing. So, you know, you'll find R&D in all sorts of areas if you're a company that likes to solve problems. Um, but that's a little abstract, but that's a, a really helpful way I think about it. 
Yeah, it makes total sense. And I didn't really even, that toy manufacturing was an like an excellent example of how there are problems throughout the, you know, not problems, but say, I don't know, opportunities for innovation throughout the process from the initial design through the, the you know, process of manufacturing and finally even at the last stage of the game. Absolutely. So interesting. It makes you rethink those McDonald's toys. It totally does. <laughs> you know what it actually made me think of is those, remember those old McDonald's like, clamshell like when you would get a sandwich it came in like a styrofoam thing with like two hinges oh sure. like like i wonder what was the you know the, the thought behind that i don't know but Maybe i'm getting off ability but i mean those things had to have been yeah definitely uh choke tested and all sorts of things so more r&d than you thought in your childhood definitely um so um in terms of qres for manufacturing i mean materials that's going to cost a lot of money, right? Materials are going to be expensive. Absolutely. And I always say that the bigger, or the bigger, the heavier, and the more expensive the item uh, that you're manufacturing, the more cost you're going to have. Because again, it doesn't necessarily relate to how technical your development is. What, what it relates to is how much expenses you have to incur. So if you are putting together a large prototype um, or a custom machine or some kind of a product that's expensive, you're going to have more, you know, uh, wage and supply and other, you know, expenses there. No, that makes sense. Um, and let's talk wages. So, like, what kind of job titles would have wages that would be included under these QREs? Obviously, like engineers and and technicians and stuff. But I feel like there must be a lot more. Yeah, and one question to ask yourself is, is who at my company is making changes to things? Um, so a lot of times on the product development side, that'd be like designers, engineers, that sort of thing. Um, when you come to manufacturing process development, so more think those more efficiency-driven manufacturers, there, there might be a department that's uh, manufacturing engineering, mm. um, might be some, a team in that that goes and does Lean or Six Sigma or other implementations on your plant floor. Um, that's pretty common. And then there's also going to be people like technicians. One thing to, to, to not forget is that you can also take, in addition to the direct R&D, supervisory and supporting R&D activities. So at a manufacturing company, that might be people with titles like supervisor, superintendent, manager, project manager on the supervised uh, vision side. And on the support side, that's actually probably that can be the biggest expense for a manufacturer because if you have technicians, welders, machine programmers, and so on, um, they are going to have some qualified activity if the things that they are seeing on the manufacturing line or that they're working on are qualified themselves. Um, so a question you want to ask for those people is what percentage of the things you work on are related to some kind of development? So if you have a custom manufacturing shop and everything that goes down the line is, is a custom one-off project or custom one-off batches, the technicians, the welders, the, you know, even people that are just, you know, pushing buttons, monitoring stations, they may have a fairly high uh, qualified uh, wage expense because they are supporting the development aspects of a project. It's fascinating. And it's true, right? It, this is, the, it's the case that if, if somebody spends 80% of time on a qualified research activity, you can actually include a hundred percent of their wages as a qualified research expense. Is that, yeah, that correct? That's correct. And the reason for that is that you want to encourage people 
um, to, to basically get the R&D credit for their primary purpose. So if your primary purpose is, uh, you know, to help with R&D activities, then you can take all their wage. Everybody's got to have times where they're in meetings or things like that. So it's a taxpayer-friendly rule. Uh, it's called oh. the substantially all rule. So if substantially all of your activities is related to development. Substantially you- all. Got it. Got it. So, Jacob, what kind of savings do we see? Can we talk some to- dollars and cents? Can you give me an example with some numbers so I can get a, a sense of what we're talking about here? Absolutely. So one way to think about this is that for every million dollars in qualified research expenditures you have, um, you're going to get something in the realm of fifty dollars to $100,000 on the federal side. Wow. And there may be some state incentives as well. Um, so because of how the math works out, a lot of times we'll say it's about $79,000 in credits. That's kind of what it averages out to many what? times. Wow. Um, so if you had a million dollars in qualified expenses, then you would have $79,000 in federal credit and you could have a you little know, more, a little more on the if state you're side. State, if you're, wow. If you're in a state like California, it might be equal to that. It might be another 79,000 in California credits. Um, other states, it might be a little bit lower, but there is a state incentive as well. So, you know, you think about it, let, let's, you know, just do an experiment in our minds where we have a company that makes $20 million in gross receipts. Um, you know, they spend $6 million on wages. Maybe they have $12 million on uh, cost of goods sold purchases and then some other expenses. And they make a few million dollars in profit. Um you know, that kind of a company, if like 20% of their wages qualified, that would be a million dollars. Um, and let's just say you even pick up one more million from the supply. So one million out of $12 million, you know, you already have somewhere around $160,000 credit annually on the federal side. Wow. And then if you were in a state like a California um, or maybe even in Indiana, you might pick up another dollars $150,000. So for that company, $20 million in gross receipts, you know, a decent amount, but not a not a massive amount of qualified activity, maybe only 10, 20% of your uh, total wage base and, and a little bit less in your supplies. Um, you're already looking at a $300,000 federal and state credit each year. Wow, that's quite impressive. Yeah. And you think about that, I mean, you could hire somebody uh, based on that. You could yes. invest in some new equipment. You could pay down debt. Um, there's a lot that you can do with that money. And, you know, assuming your development is consistent, you'll get that every year. Um, and yes, you know, yes. It's not a one-time opportunity. Yes. It's an annual thing. So you can start baking that into your tax payments and so on. And that's uh, two guys' salary right there. Absolutely. I mean, well, depending how you pay your guys, but like that, that's remarkable. Yep. Absolutely. Wow. And, okay. and again, you know, even if you're, you know, you could have a smaller company, uh, but a higher percentage of qualified activities, and you might also get a 300,000. So if you cut those mm-hmm. numbers in half, but you double the amount of development that they do, so this is like a more of a highly custom shop uh, of some sort, then you know you might be able to get the same credit on 10 million in gross receipts. So it's not necessarily related to your overall like top line as much as it is to how much R&D you do. I see. That makes total sense. So I... Um, I understand that you need to be able to document your QRAs and your QREs. So what kind of documentation should people be be collecting to support their claim? 
Sure. And this is an area where it's going to wildly vary as well by me. Yeah, I guess I should have said in general. Everybody, everybody keeps their documentation differently. Um, the big thing that we tell manufacturers we work with is just don't throw things away. A lot of times people sign a checklist or they'll take a photo of something and they'll just throw it away. And, um, you know, you want to be, make sure you keep that stuff. If you're doing something technical, then you want to keep a record of that, whether it's a, you know, a photo, a scan document, something with notes on it. Um, ah. want to be able to keep that. Some companies are are better than others, um, but things like, you know, test logs and reports, photos, um, you know, quality assurance testing. And, and I should point out that there is a bit of a difference between quality control and quality assurance. So if you have an idea in mind and you're trying to hit a, a target and you do some kind of development and then you have to check whether you met those objectives, that's quality assurance. Quality control would be just like normal routine testing, uh-huh. um, which is not what we want to focus on as a qualified activity. But, you know, as a result, any sorts of documentation that you are keeping on the projects, um, you know, you want to you want to retain that as well. I see. And quantitatively, in terms of wages, obviously, so they, they you know, they'll need obviously W-2s and ledgers and 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 things like that, right? And and the more detailed, the better in terms of, of labeling things by account or, or vendor or whatnot, right? Definitely. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need to track all of your time for the employees. That's not a requirement of the credit. Okay. Um, you do want to have some kind of records that support what you are claiming. So again, for the employee side, who worked on what projects? Um, and we'll actually create charts, uh, like flow charts of, of who's doing what and when. That can be by department. It can be by employee. Um, it can be, you know, other ways of developing that. But but you want to be able to put a chart together of who does what, when, why, and how. I see. Okay. So if somebody is intrigued here, what's their next step? Absolutely. So, you know, we'd be happy to, to chat with you if you've got questions about this. We have a lot of great resources on our website as well, um, as you well know. I know. <laughs> Indeed, I do. We, you know, what we'd like to do though is is um, if you have questions, we can review your situation. Um, normally, in a 15, 20 minute phone call, we can look at your website, we can talk to you about where you might do development. Once we have an idea of the activities, it's just a couple of pieces of financial data in order to get the expenses. Um, and then, you know, assuming it's an opportunity that's more than a few thousand dollars, um, you know, typically it will make sense to do some kind of an analysis. And then you can start factoring that into your, um, you know, plans for the future. So how are you going to spend this money? What are you going to do with it? A lot of times we see people year over year, the credits go up because they start realizing they're getting money back. And so then they can reinvest that, which is really the point of this. That's so awesome. That is so awesome. It's not a one-time pony, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, speaking of the website, I definitely recommend that you guys check out capstantax.com slash blogs. There's a couple of fantastic pieces about R&D on there right now, including a new guide, how to claim the R&D credit. And it really walks you through A to Z of R&D. Um, if you want, email Jacob at jwood at capstantax.com and he'll send it to you and discuss other things with you too. Um, Jacob, thank you so much. That was super interesting. Yeah, thank you for having me, Helena. I always learn a lot when we talk, um, and it's it's fascinating. So um, if you enjoyed this talk as well, listeners, why not subscribe? We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or just go to capstantex.com slash podcasts. 
I'm Helena Carmel. This has been another episode of Capstan Live. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Capstan Live. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. Visit our website at capstantax.com for more info on everything we discussed today, plus breaking news, industry blogs, and more. Have a profitable day.